0: We know now that in the early years of the 20th century, this world was being watched closely by
1: intelligences greater than man's.
0: Men from
1: Moto, digital strategies with Travis Sowers and David Seville.
0: Intellect vast, cool, and unsympathetic. Broadcast to the world with the uncanny help of manner Deprived and FaceToFaceGames.com.
1: Greetings, people of Earth. We are the men from Odo, and you are listening to episode 20, Variance is a Cruel Mistress. My name is David Seville, and I have Travis Sowers on the line with me today again, as usual. I can't get rid of him. How's it going this week, Travis?
0: I'm doing great. How are you, Dave?
1: Pretty Good. Uh, this week's episode is kind of a personal favorite of mine, or, or at least a, a favorite topic of mine so far, and it's uh, variance or luck. I don't know what other people would call it, but it's it's variance to us, and we're going to talk about kind of the ins and outs of variance or, or good luck or bad luck, obviously how it applies to magic, and how we think you should be approaching the concept of variance and luck in order to maximize your enjoyment, I guess, out of magic, but also to take control Of the situation and take control of what you can. But before we start, uh, I would like to ask you how your week was.
0: Me? My week was fantastic. Uh, I've been doing a lot of sealed on Magic Online. That's kind of what I'm doing now is just jamming a lot of sealed, getting ready for PTQs, PPTQs. Had a 5-0 yesterday, which always feels good to do in sealed. Turns out walking ballista is a heck of a card, Uh, but that's that's kind of what I've been up to is just jamming sealed after sealed after sealed. I'll draft when I'm in the top eight of a PTQ. <laughs> well, you got to practice before you get there, though, right? Yeah, 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 yeah,
1: <laughs> Um, And if I understand correctly, uh, you have moved your draft videos. Is that correct?
0: That is correct. I was wanting to get all of my content under one site uh, so that if there was some if people wanted to find the Travis stuff while I'm not streaming, I wanted them to be able to go to one place to find it. And that place is manadeprived.com. So I'm super happy to come back to Mana Deprived. That's actually the first place I started doing draft videos many, many moons ago. Uh, so my first video will actually go up um just a couple of days after this goes live.
1: Nice. Yeah, and uh, KYT actually brought me on board, so I have done a draft video as well. So we've got the whole Med from moto crew under the Mana Deprived umbrella, and it feels feels good.
0: Yeah, it's it was coming back home for me, and I'm super happy to be working with Mana deprived again. Kawatzi's just a good dude.
1: Yeah, he's uh, seems to be one of the hardest working guys when it comes to magic, uh, the, the magic content. Like, or at least he's going to become the mad, the one of the hardest working people, I think, because uh, he's really starting to pump out a lot of good content with his new podcast and uh, all the draft videos and the modern articles and like all sorts of stuff on the website now. So go check it out. If you don't already check it out Um, and you'll see us there as well as tons of great content. And I'm not just saying that because our podcast is hosted there. It is. There is a lot of good content. It is like the premier source, I think, for Canadian magic. So even though we're the best podcast. One would say that half of this is definitely the best podcast. I don't know about the other half, but (laughs) it's definitely improving. It's definitely improving. So,
0: yeah, you are getting better. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
1: I'm just going to edit that out. Mark down my notes. There you go. There we go. Um, you've also got, I'm going to let you plug yourself here a little bit more, but you've also got a Patreon. Don't you, sir?
0: I do. I do. I, um, set that up recently with the idea that there were some people that wanted to support me in other ways, uh, besides Twitch subscriptions and also, I, I wanted to give people uh, early access to the videos. You were generous enough to let me throw in early access to some of the podcast stuff, too. So if people like what I want to do, what I do and want to give me money, uh, I have a Patreon set up now, too. You can find that at patreon.com slash Simulan. Um, and it's it's just basically if people dig the content I'm producing and support it, I can produce a lot more of it. So that that oh. is that is the full week in Simulan. Lots of sealed Patreon set up video recording for Mana Deprived. I actually just finished the first one today. Um, And and I'm excited to see that go live on Monday.
1: I cannot wait to watch five minutes and then thumbs down. (laughs) I hate you, Dave. (laughs) I love you, too. All right. Should we jump right into the main topic? Let's just cut the ceremony here and get right
0: into it. I think that sounds good. I also like I would like to explore Tilt just a little bit as we're going through variants because like bad luck. I don't know if you could hear the air quotes on the podcast, but I'll say it again. Bad luck can lead to tilt. They go hand in hand. They're best friends. Absolutely.
1: Okay. So maybe we'll start with, uh, so I put this question out on on Twitter and you answered it right away with kind of the answer that I was looking for. That was a conversation that I was hoping to spark. But um, what is the difference between bad luck and variance? So maybe we'll start with actually just what is variance? Mm
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, variance is is variables like the words are obviously related right like i can flip a coin and it's 50 50 to come up heads or tails but i could get two heads in a row i could get two tails in a row it's variance that's 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 all variance is is that there's an element of chance involved in what you're doing and that's inherent in magic because it's a card game you're drawing initial hands you're drawing cards Yeah, I
1: look at variance as like the the spread of of a shotgun like shotgun pellets. So you you shoot at a target, and let's say you aim dead center. Not all of your pellets are going to hit the center. Some of your pellets are going to be way off target, depending on the quality of the shell or whatever. Like there's all sorts of variables that go into play. But generally speaking, you can expect them to hit, you know, a certain area on the target. And as as your target gets narrower and narrower, the chances that you're going to hit that it becomes smaller and smaller. So variance is like the spread and the larger the variance, the larger the spread is what you're going for. So mm-hmm. you can control everything you can, and you're still not going to get all of your pellets on the same spot in the target. If you're far away from the target, for example, right? Mm-hmm. So you can control your variance by getting closer, aiming better, you know, having higher quality, you know, any gun or whatever, anything, right? I'm not, I don't shoot guns, but I'm just kind of making this up as I go, but I'm that's kind American, of it to me, right? I
0: shoot guns.
1: You shoot guns. All
0: right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, so then Okay, so variance is that, but then how does that compare to bad luck? Because you always hear people say, well, I have the worst luck. They never say, I have the worst variance. And why is that?
0: Well, you know, Isorock, I, I, I was talking about this some on my stream as well, and Isorock, a regular stream viewer and fellow streamer, said, luck is that thing between your ears and variance is math. Like, I, I honestly believe that, that luck is a little bit in people's heads, Right. But bad luck is when the variance doesn't go your way. Good luck is when the variance does go your way. Um, I think people tend to kind of say variance as if it's a bad word. Like, well, variance got me or something like that. They're never, and, and very few people will just say, well, I got really lucky to win that match. I think it takes a special caliber of player to recognize that you got lucky to win. Because yeah. it's so easy to say when I win it's skill when I lose its luck, and like people say that joking, a lot of people actually think that and there a, are a lot of people that think that yeah, and it really holds you back from getting better at this game I mean sometimes that's
1: just how people just deal with the games like that, and sometimes that's just the way they approach it, and they can't you know that's there's nothing good or bad about that that's just their mentality, yeah. but I look at variance as being a neutral kind of way to put bad luck and good luck, right? It kind of lumps all of that together and you kind of just accept when you accept variance, you're accepting the swings one way or the other. And bad luck has this negative connotation that you're carrying the weight of this bad luck and you're like, it almost has this feeling like you cannot control it like when you say variance to me it feels like that's something you can control or that's something that you can recognize and bad luck feels like you're putting the blame on something um Mm -hmm. it's it's same with good luck but good luck is more of a positive term but when you know if you play the lottery a hundred times and you never win you're like oh i have such bad luck i never win anything in the lottery whereas you know maybe you should have just not played the lottery in general and just kept your money right that that bad luck is almost like something that you blame Um, instead of taking responsibility for your actions and it feels like variance is like you're recognizing the math and you're acknowledging the fact that that you're not going to win 100% of the time and you're not going to get 100% of the outcomes in your favor. Mm-hmm. So you kind of have to adjust your expectations. And, and and even though they're the same thing, luck and variance, it's just two different ways, I think, to put a spin on it. And it's that thing between your ears, like like Isaac, one of your stream viewers, says. And mentality is a huge part of accepting that variance and luck happens and it'll help with the tilt, which we'll talk about in a little bit as well.
0: Mm -hmm. I think it's also worth mentioning that I don't think magic would be anywhere near as much fun as it is without variance. Like it's just a completely different game. There's games run the, the gambit from high variance to low variance. And I think magic is in a great place for that. Like one of the most exciting parts of the game of magic is drawing that card and it's exactly what you needed and you win because of it or we call it playing to your outs, right? Like where you're like, well, if if I attack here and they block this way and this card's on top of my library and they draw a blank, I can win. And you don't pull that off every time. You don't even pull that off most of the time. So when you do, it's so cool. So like, I, I, I don't think this game works without that variance. For me, I, I often make the comparison to chess as a low variance game. Most of the time when two chess players sit down and play against each other, the higher skilled player will win. Actually, what usually happens is they draw four times and then the higher skill player wins. And like that's just not what I want to be doing. I'm also not that good at chess. But magic gives me the chance to beat a, a player better than me when we sit down and play a game, and it gives a, a player worse than me a chance to beat me. Like I, I think that's part of what makes this game fun. So let let's make sure that as as we're thinking about variants and talking about variants, that we recognize what an important facet of, of this game that it is.
1: Yeah, it it's it's interesting to me. So, so back up a little bit. So, I was watching the Magic Online Championship this weekend, which was very well done, by the way. Um, I would highly recommend going to watch the video on demand, the semifinals and finals. It was great magic. But when they were uh, kind of introducing the players and things like that, or or before a match, they always had their stats on Magic Online, and I don't think I saw a player with higher than seventy percent win rate on Magic Online. The best player in the world does not have a better than 70% win rate on Magic Online. So right there, that just tells you that 30% of the time, you know, you could be the best player in the world and you're just going to lose, right? Through no, It could be fault of your own, but most of the time it might, if you're the best player in the world, it's probably through no fault of your own, unless you're playing against really, really good players as well. So that variance gives those people that are new to the game or that aren't as skilled, like it gives them a chance. It keeps the game exciting and interesting for them. And you kind of need that. You need players on all ends of the spectrum if you're going to keep a game healthy and if if the game was a hundred percent skill only the best would enjoy it like mm-hmm. i think you would find it challenging to find somebody that enjoyed it as a new player if they lost a hundred percent of the games
0: period that would suck i wouldn't
1: be playing now if that's how it was i, would, I wouldn't be playing that right i mean it, the playing chess you know people enjoy chess i imagine for the learning and for the for the the culture behind the game but for somebody like me where you know I'm already so far through life that I probably can't catch up and be a grandmaster in chess. Like, it's, it's like, what's the point? I would rather play a game that's more fun um, instead of a game that's maybe 100% skill based. So um, unless I was really good at it. And then, of course, I would enjoy it a lot more, I'm sure. But I mean, the randomness makes for exciting stories and it makes for, you know, the, the catch up mechanic and it makes for exciting streams and and the opportunity to make mistakes, um, you know, and, and not get punished for them. I think it's it's generally good for games to have variants. It's very tough to find a game that I enjoy that does not have some kind of element of luck in it.
0: Yeah. I mean, heck you even roll dice in
1: monopoly, man. It's true. And monopoly is terrible, but it's got dice going for it at least.
0: Yeah, there's that. There's that. So I, th- I think the first thing for me on variance, if we're going to have a conversation about variance, is before you go blame variants, make sure it's not your fault. <laughs> yes. Make sure it's not your fault. Um,
1: so where where to start with this? Um, everybody makes mistakes and it's very hard to find a game of magic that you play perfectly. I think
0: even ones you that you that? absolutely even ones that I won, like I, I did a really interesting thing on stream um, when I stream the, the PTQ finals, I'll usually use a hand hider. Right. So the people who are watching the stream cannot see what's in my hand at that time. That's uh, there's a lot of different reasons for that. A big one is ghosting. I, I have been ghosted in the finals of a PTQ before. I also don't want um, outside assistance unless chat's going to come to the pro tour with me. Like some you seeing a line that I don't see is really not helping me win that. Anyway, after I did that, I went and reviewed the replays with chat. And even games that I won, I found serious mistakes in. Like I, I we talked a lot about in, in our first episode, I believe, about going back and reviewing your games. But yeah, absolutely. To, to your point, mistakes are made in, in a lot of games of Magic, even ones that you win.
1: Yeah. So if you lose, here's a really good example. So if you lose to an opponent's lucky top deck and they're on one life and then they, that top deck helped them stabilize or whatever, they might have been five percent to hit that top deck or two percent to go top deck into top deck in order to, to stabilize and get out of that game if you missed a point of damage anywhere along the way or you you burned a removal spell trying to get that damage through when maybe you should have saved it for something that was bigger and just kind of taken a slower line or something like that like you can go back and you can say with more information you can say well there's different lines i should have taken and maybe i should have considered it like if, if you had a way to finish that game off early and then you let your opponent get back into it that is probably 90 80 on you not necessarily 100 percent because you don't have all the information at the time but there's very likely a, a part in that game a, a de- decision point in that game that you could have changed that would have prevented them from from top decking that answer um i think a really good uh, I'm going to go back to the Magic Online Championship because there was just some am- amazing magic. But there was it was uh, Josh Utter-Layton against Lucas Blohan, I think is is how you pronounce his name. Is that right? Do you know
0: who i That is correct. About? Yeah.
1: OK, so it was Mardu Vehicles, which was uh, Raptor and against uh, Sahili Combo. So at one point in the game, uh, Raptor, uh, Josh Utter-Layton had had basically two turns away from Lethal. Um, he had four mana and a Gideon and a Fatal Push in hand and a Clue on the board. And uh Lucas Blohan was on no cards, but had one half of the combo on board. I don't remember if it was the the cat or Sahili. It was one of the two. I think it was I think it was cat, so he needed to draw Sahili or something like that off the top. And he only had three or four copies or whatever left in his deck. Um however many he had in the main deck, I think, is whatever he had. So let's say three copies. So Josh could have taken a line that would have killed that won the game in two turns, let's say. Um, but it would have caused him like had him go shields down on the fatal push, basically being able to not use fatal push, crack the clue and play fatal push to remove one part of the combo. If he, if he takes the line that finished the game next turn, he gives his opponent one card to draw perfect in order to win the game. All right. So it's a conscious decision or it could be a mistake if he didn't see that it didn't think about the fatal push line or he tries to slow down and take two or three turns to finish the game, holds up fatal push so he doesn't just lose on the spot. But there's maybe other cards he could have lost to. So he went he took the line to try to finish it off in one turn and his opponent top deck, you know, 5% or 10% to hit the top deck and just won the game on the spot. So now you have to look back at that and say, did he make a mistake? And I think in his post-game interview, he actually said that he kind of regretted not immediately after that, he kind of regretted not making, not keeping fatal push up because that's, he thought maybe that was the only way he could lose. And so it's like the best player in the world makes mistakes. If his opponent just top deck a brick, then it's fine. He looks like a genius, right? But that one time out of 20 or one time out of 25 where his opponent hits perfect or perfect, perfect, which I saw later in the match where they had to go, um, you know, like blink something that drew a card that drew Healy that played the combo when when his opponent was shields down or something like that and it's just like you know you can you can there's a lot of time you can take that step back and see that mistake and if you made that mistake and, and you sh- it was something you should have seen that you absolutely cannot blame bad luck you have to blame yourself for that one and take responsibility for your actions that's that's kind of the first step there mm-hmm. in in improving your overall luck or your variance basically
0: controlling what you can control I think that's the biggest part of it too. somebody else on stream. I don't exactly remember who compared it to the serenity prayer, which is basically give me the strength to control the things I can, the grace to accept the things that I can not and the wisdom to know the difference. That's what we're arguing for here is look for those things you can control and affect, And then after that, you don't need to stress about it or worry about it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, sometimes you're going to look at this and you're just going to say, I played perfect and there is nothing I could have done. I think even then you have to take another step back and see if there was something else you could have done, maybe in your draft or in your sealed build or in deck construction, you know, something along the way, you know, it gives you an opportunity to go back and take a holistic view of everything you did for that match and see if you could have done anything differently, especially if it was a really agonizing loss, you know, like you get that dagger stuck in you. It's like, I can't believe they top decked the perfect card. It's like, Don't beat yourself up over that. Go beat yourself up over your mistakes. And chances are you'll find something you could have changed and use that as a learning experience.
0: And uh, I'd I'd also encourage people to recognize, like, I've encountered this many times in stream where I make the wrong play and then win the game as a result of it. That's variance working for me. And there's other times where I make what I, I think even after analysis was the right play and then lose the game because of it like you can only work with the information you have. Magic is partially a game of hidden information. Your opponent has cards in their hand that you don't know about in limited. They probably have cards in their deck that you don't know about. And there's really not much you can do about that. Like I'm not playing around fumigate in sealed until I've seen it. They get two packs of Kaladesh. I'm not going to worry about a rare and overcommitting unless they're playing in such a way that's going to convince me that they are, but then did they actually just have lands in hand and they were saying, like, you can go down all these trails, but that's why I'm saying like, you can make the right play and get punished for it and make the wrong play and win because of it. That's where variance comes in. It's only Mm -hmm. with analyzing the information that you actually have. Can you start to make decisions like that? And
1: as long as I think, as long as you're focusing more on your decisions and less on your results, um, which is, so hard in the short term right like you just lost a bad game you don't want to go back and look and say like oh man i you know i got so unlucky that game and you don't want to go and sit there and agonize over your decisions to see if there's anything differently you could have done but maybe you do that the next day maybe you do that holistically over a week and you say okay well i'm going to sit down and look at all my matches and and i'm going to make notes or review my notes after all these games and see if there's anything else i could have done differently um i i think this is kind of something i think you need to consider when you when you think about variance is it variance is not you can't really rely on analyzing your variance or 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 worrying about variance in the short term it's definitely a long-term kind of holistic view of 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 your magic play so i keep using that term holistic but but that's what it is right short-term variance is you know the spikes up and down like you might go on a bad losing streak um, for three or four drafts in a row, and, you know, maybe you're playing well and you're just not, not getting the results. That doesn't mean you're a bad player, right? You kind of have to t- take a step back and say, okay, well, you know, is this just short term variance or is this something that I need to change fundamentally in my play? And if you step back and look at your last 10 drafts instead of your last four, are you seeing, you know, a, a definitive pattern or are you seeing just you had a bad four drafts and your next draft's going to be fine? like you kind of have to be able to separate the short and long term kind of trends in in your results and one of the things that i notice for me is is i've been tracking you know my slices of 10 games or my my slices of 20 games and even with ups and downs i'm generally level when it comes to my win rate which means mm-hmm. i'm either not getting i'm definitely not getting worse i might not be getting better but i'm definitely not getting worse even if all i can remember are the times that i got crushed by my opponent's top deck you know, I'm, I'm still generally winning the same amount that I was before. So that kind of helps me kind of, you know, stomach it, I guess, stomach Mm -hmm. the bad beats and stomach the, the, the short-term spikes in, in my,
0: in my win rate. You know, that, that actually really reminds me of something from a previous life. Um, and I, am going to go a little deep in detail here A, a long time ago before I started, um, streaming full time, I was actually a sales coach. And it was for folks that were doing phone sales. And there was a very like detailed, here's what you're supposed to do. Here's what you say in this order. Here's how the conversations are framed. right? And it, it wasn't something that you really had to think a lot about. It was just something that you had to do and do these things in a specific order. I was business to business sales. We It wasn't anything weird or anything like that. Um, but basically, other people hired them. I would coach them. And it was commission sales, which was a little scary because if you're not making sales, you're not actually making any money. So what I would find that would happen was there was variance involved in that, right? Like you make a bunch of calls. There's a certain percentage of people that are just going to buy the thing that you're selling. There's a certain percentage of people that just aren't. Most of them aren't. So you just maximize the number of calls you make and you find the people that are interested in the thing you got. And there you go. You're good. Bob's your uncle. You're good to go. What I often found was... When somebody had had a a terrible streak that went on for a long time, when I would start to monitor their calls and listen to them, they were so far off the formula for how to do this, that it was like, what the heck happened? And I would keep finding this where people were just so far out in outer space. And I finally figured out what it was. They would have a bad day. And instead of saying, I had a bad day, I'm going to try again tomorrow. They'd say, I must have done something wrong. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to fix this. And they'd make a little tiny tweak. And if the variants broke just perfect and they had another bad day, they'd say, well, I need to make another little tweak. And you get enough of those in a row. All of a sudden they've tweaked it into something completely unrecognizable. And that's where you'll get people in magic who have, let's say you play a draft a day and you lose three drafts in a row. After the first one, you're like, well, I need to change a little bit. And then after the third one, I need to change a little bit more. And then you get people with decks that are running just awful cards and they've got a completely warped perception of what the format is like, and it's making them lose even more and more. So I I would encourage you along what Dave's saying is one loss, two losses, three losses doesn't actually mean much. Make sure you recenter yourself. Go ask your friends, Hey, is, is toolcraft exemplar still not playable? In sealed, because it's not, is Bastion Macedon still the best card you can open in sealed? Not quite, but it's really good. Like, go check with your buddies, go ask a streamer, go ask, you know, anybody that's as good or better than you at Magic about these things, and make sure you're kind of staying grounded. Like, a losing streak doesn't mean you're terrible. It also doesn't mean you're not. So like it's it's more of a data point. These things happened is really all we can say there from there. You can gather information from other places to see if you need to learn some, tighten up your play, or maybe you just got some bad breaks.
1: Yeah, I kind of like tracking my results and tracking the ones that I felt were my fault and tracking the ones that I felt weren't my fault. So like and the number of games that I lost or the number of matches that I've lost because it was my fault Far outweigh the ones where it was not my fault. So sometimes you multiply and you're not winning that game.
0: That I don't. Happens, I don't right? multiply, but I, no, I you won't. Well, you don't multiply. Do.
1: I I should multiply once in a while. Well. Um, but um, quite often I can find a mistake, right? Deck building, drafting, something like that. You know, oh well, my deck went one two, and because I I had one piece of removal in my deck, you know those kinds of mistakes, I think you can, you can identify and you can tweak, but the ones that are out of your control, you just have to kind of look at them over a much larger scale and then say, okay, well, you know, are my fundamentals flawed? And I think if, if you're having a long run of bad luck or bad games, bad results, um, and it's continuing, then I think you need to step back and maybe identify, you know, this is, again you're not unlucky you you're not unlucky over 30 games maybe you're just not a good player um and it takes a big person it takes a, a you know big boy or big girl to be, be able to admit that maybe you're not very good maybe you need to 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 get better but focusing on those things in the short term just doesn't help anybody right like if if you zoom in on your win rate graph to the last 5 matches it's it's up and down and it's ridiculous right you're you're 80% then you're 40% and then you're 80% and then you're 0% you need to kind of take that over 30, 40, 50 matches, um, in order to get kind of a trend, you're looking for trends when you're trying to fix those holes in your game. Um, and in the short term, you know, that kind of maximizes the effect of the variance on your game. And that's not helpful at at all. We've kind of gone on a bit of a tangent here, but I think it's all useful and it's all kind of related to that same, you know, how do you, how do you fix your game? How how do you see if there are holes in your game, um, instead of blaming bad luck?
0: Mm Mm-hmm. And I I think that leads into a good segue to bring up Tilt. Oh, yes. Let's talk about Tilt. So, Dave, what is Tilt? Well, Tilt originates, that
1: comes from pinball, I believe, where, uh, you know, if if you lifted the machine, it would tilt and you would lose the game entirely and all the noises and the klaxons would go off and ding, ding, ding. ding, I believe that's how a a pinball machine sounds. Um, But no, Tilt is an emotional response, generally negative, um, to an event, you know, in, in magic or in a game or poker or something like something, something that happens in life. And it puts you in a, in a state of mind or even a state of body that is not conducive to kind of continuing to play at a high rate or at a high level. Um, so You just took a bad beat, your opponent top decked, and it was, let's say, match or game one in a a three game match. And in match two or game two, sorry, you uh, completely change your approach and you kind of go off the handle, right? You're unhinged, you're, you're fast and loose and you're, you're making mistakes and you're not even thinking about it because all you can think about is how you lost that game to that top deck. That is
0: tilt. Yeah. Or when you make a mistake, I've had times where subtle strike, somebody cast a subtle strike. Cast it wrong, grew my dude. Shrink, shrank their dude, and then immediately scooped. Oops, that's it's, also tilt. Yeah, that's that's tilt too. It's when something bad happens, or you make a mistake, and then you just lose the game as a response because you either play poorly or just go off the rails. I think for me, I very rarely go on tilt. Although it happens, it happens to everybody. But I think the biggest step towards preventing it is recognizing where it comes from. Often it's from mistakes. So be vigilant about not making mistakes. Occasionally it's from variance. You needed to draw a land and you didn't. The variance ones you can't control. And it, spending any emotional energy on this is not helping you. So just take a minute, take a deep breath, reevaluate the board state, and figure out where you can go from there. One of the, one of, I think it's actually one of my strengths as a magic player. I don't often brag on myself, but I, and this is not a skill that I'm necessarily proud of, but I think I'm actually pretty good at mistake recovery because I've seen a lot of people make a mistake and then basically give up on the game, like do something colossally stupid and then either scoop or be done with it. Like I, I've got my brain set where it's like, okay, you screwed up. Let's let that go and now recover like I can beat myself up about it or be mad after the cards are off the table. Right now I still need to figure out how to get my opponent's life total to 0. So if if I maintain focus on what my goal is in that game and just take the emotion out of it for now, that has been a way for me to to I I guess recover from mistakes. Maybe I make more of them than other people, but you know, I've, I've I actually the the video going up for mana deprived has one of those mistakes in it that I recovered from. Like I know I'm playing against an opponent who is playing the black implement and I play out all my lands and have to discard a bomb six drop that should win the game. I think a lot of people might've scooped there. I won that game. So I I made a mistake, but instead of sitting there and beating myself up about it, I, I did take a few minutes to be like, you're an idiot, you're terrible, you're awful. And I'm like, okay, now that that's out of the way, how do I win from here? So, like, feel it, experience it, express it if you need to, but, like, let it go and finish the game and then think about it or talk about it afterwards, I think would be my biggest advice for somebody to get out of a tilt mentality. Also, I, I, I'm, I apologize for being a bit of a soliloquy here, but I, I've seen a lot of people who go on such tilt that they can't get good at this game. When I first started playing, I was playing with a group of folks and one of them was better than me. They always beat me, but they, and it surprised me when I recognized that I was actually better at the game than them, because I could recognize when I was losing to variants and when I was screwing up and they couldn't see that they only ever saw bad luck when they lost. And if you can't recognize your mistakes, you can't fix them.
1: Blaming every single loss on bad luck is just not a way to improve as a magic player. It Mm -hmm. just, you cannot improve because nobody is perfect. And if you were perfect, you wouldn't, you still wouldn't win all of your games. You're, you're, you're chasing, you know, it's, it's a pipe dream at that point. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, am I a terrible person for when I play paper magic and I I run into one of those people that I kind of press the fact that they are so unlucky?
0: You are a terrible person, but that's not why.
1: Okay, good. Um, that's, uh, I, 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 do it very rarely and I only kind of do it to the the people in paper magic that are kind of jerks anyway, like the jerks to me or jerks to other people. But one of my favorite things to do when I run into one of those people is when they say, Oh, I, I can't believe you got so lucky, you know, for, for that top deck or whatever, when it was like a card that it was in my hand the whole time, instead of just saying to them, Oh no, I dude, I had it from the start. It was in my opener and I sideboarded it in and like, of course I'm going to keep that hand. I just say, yeah, man, I got, th- I got lucky. I top decked the three perfect cards I needed and kind of just press that tilt button down a little bit more. I feel real bad for it sometimes, but sometimes they deserve it. So call me a terrible person if you want, but I, I learned that lesson from poker where you kind of push the people over the edge and you encourage them a bit. It's like, oh man, yeah, I totally made a mistake there, you know, and I got hundred, I got a hundred percent lucky. I mean, you made a perfect play and then they kind of just go off the handle and you just kind of keep pushing them over that edge and eventually you get all their money. That's, Uh, It's one of my guilty pleasures about magic. I shouldn't. I shouldn't be like that. But a little bit of gamesmanship in there doesn't hurt once in a while, right?
0: I mean, that's not quite my style, but I I get it. And it's also important to point out whether you're playing on Magic Online or you're playing in person. Your opponent doesn't care about your mental state, or like if you're playing your luck. Or your luck or any of that. Like, if you and me are playing, yeah, we can trash talk each other and have some fun. That's different. I don't, I don't care about that if we're playing for fun. If we're playing at a, a PTQ against a random unknown opponent or on Magic Online, your opponent doesn't care about your bad luck. They don't care about your bad beats. They don't care about how good your deck was. They don't care about your salt. And, in fact, I think it's funny. I still laugh about the guy that told me to choke in my sleep. Like, that's the best salt I've gotten from Magic Online to this day. That, that was my favorite. But like, you're absolutely right. And and why do you push that? Because when people are tilting, they play worse.
1: Absolutely. It's just, you can you can get them off their game because they get locked in a mental state that is just not conducive to playing perfect magic, right? And that's kind of what you need to do. In order to maximize your win chances in a game, you need to play as perfect as you can. Mistake-free is is a goal that you should be trying to achieve in every game of magic. And when you're on tilt, when you have this emotional high or low or whatever you want to call it you know it clouds your vision it it clouds your judgment and you will make mistakes it's just the best poker players in the world the best magic players in the world go on tilt um and the ones that can recover the fastest are the probably the better players or the ones that are the most level-headed overall
0: in the grand scheme of things
1: Mm -hmm. are the best players
0: Yeah. So that's my advice for you about tilt is just to recognize that it's not doing you any good. And if you need to express some frustration or something like that, go talk to your friends after the game, but try to let it go as fast as you possibly can in the game. Like just taking a second and taking a deep breath. If you're on magic online, you got 25 minutes on your clock, man, you can stand up, do a lap around the room, grab a soda, do something, and then come back and look at it with fresh eyes while you're not still kind of raged or whatever it is yeah um here here's a question for you so
1: if if there's luck involved um or maybe i should approach this from a different way i'm just gonna i'm just gonna go and tell you my my theory on this or 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 kind of a a a way that i look at it you know because luck is inherent to the game um and and you you try to control what you can when it comes to luck and variance and you, you try to obviously take advantage of it where you can I like to think that that good players get lucky more often or appear to get lucky more often because obviously they're more skilled, but they're setting themselves up to get lucky more often. So they're taking lines and they're taking approaches to, to always be pushing the game to, to a, an end state and giving themselves either outs to win the game if they're behind or ways to push their opponent further to the loss column when they're ahead. So good players, when they get lucky, they're good enough to to take advantage take full advantage of that. So if you put amazing luck in a, in a game or a match in a in a the hands of a player that's not very good, they're going to squander it. Conversely, bad players or players on tilt even um get themselves into bad spots more often and then put them in a position to get unlucky, but I think, I think you say it best when you, when we, uh, when we, do we talk about mulliganing, right? And you Mm -hmm. say that if you're 90, 10 to, to hit your land off the top and you need that land, like you're 90% to hit and you hit the 10%, you didn't get unlucky. You got lucky in the wrong direction, yeah right? You got lucky for hitting your 10%. So when a, when a bad player, um, you know, makes a mistake or two or three and they put themselves behind, you know, they, they need to get lucky just to get out of it, just to get even, um, and, w- and when they do get lucky, you know, maybe, maybe the, I think I'm, maybe, maybe I'm approaching these wrong, but anyway, good, good players take advantage of their luck. Bad players squander their luck, but also put themselves in a position where they need to get lucky more often.
0: I, I think I can put into words what you're trying to express. Cause it was a big learning point for me when I made the transition from playing the game to trying to win the game where my focus now is entirely when I sit down at the computer to play a game of Magic online on reducing my opponent's life total to zero. That's that's what the entirety of my focus is on. Not, you know, which creatures should I play? How should I... Like, all of that is leading towards that goal. I'm not just playing the cards to play the cards. I'm not just using a removal spell because they have a creature I can remove. Everything is focused on getting that life total as low as possible. And that may mean that at times... I'm trading two damage for four damage because I know that there's two destructive tamperings in my deck. And I, as long as I can get them to 10, I can finish them off. Right. Like that, that's potentially a bad example. Like maybe if I have one in my hand, then that makes a lot more sense. Um, but like th- that, was the thing for me. Like, as I learned that if my opponent's life total is lower, I'm a little more likely to be able to get lucky. Does yes. that make sense? Whereas if if I'm like just not making attacks because I'm trying to stabilize, even when I have a good attack, like make the good attack anyway. Like it, it sucks to be trading two for six, but if the six is in the air and you can't do anything about it anyway, don't hold your ground guy back. Swing it anyway. Right. Yeah. Like it's not blocking. Don't run the no attacks, no blocks. L- little things like that started making me feel like I was getting lucky more often. But what I was really noticing is that as long as I'm progressing the game towards my opponent's life total getting lower and lower, then I'm increasing the chances that I can get lucky.
1: Yeah, it's it's playing to your outs, but it's also just trying to set up that like set set up more cards off the top of your deck that just win the game outright. Mm -hmm. Right. So like the destructive destructive tampering is a really good example of that. So, you know, your your opponents on let's say your opponents on. I don't know, 11 life and you have three servos and they have one blocker. OK, now uh, that's that's a bad example. You, hit, you have 10 damage on board and they're at 11. You should probably try to get that one extra point in or whatever somewhere along the way. Set it up. You know, maybe you make maybe you make a, a couple of bad attacks here, but you get some damage through and leave yourself with enough damage to finish them off with a destructive tampering off the top. If you don't make that play and you draw destructive tampering, you got lucky to draw the destructive tampering but you're not in a position to take advantage of it. Mm-hmm. So you you kind of have to be like, you know, setting yourself up so that the number of top decks you can get or the number of cards and the number of plays you can make or the number of mistakes your opponent can make, you know, just outright win you the game. And you're always trying to push that needle to, you know, you, you can't lose this game. And and this goes back to the the Magic Online Championships, the Josh hutter Layton play that I talked about, where, you know, he was 90%, let's say, to win with the way that he chose... Um, but there's still that 10% that his opponent can can get lucky and and just straight win the game. Maybe the other play would have given him 95%, right? And you're always trying to work toward that. Or maybe the other play was 80%, and maybe this was the best play. Maybe just straight up when you do the math, making the play that he did gave him the best chance to win the game on the following turn. And even if he hadn't made that play, he was still just maybe just gonna lose outright or something like that, like, or over the next three turns and the next five turns or something like that. Like who knows? Like, as long as you're always trying to work toward winning the game and you have to try to win, you can't just try to not lose. Trying to not lose is the one way that I think poor players or or inexperienced players or even just average players get crushed by luck because they're, they're playing defensive and they're not getting their damage in where they can and they're not, you know, playing to their outs. They're just kind of playing and holding back and holding back and waiting for the perfect opportunity to win where... Maybe they need to be trying to win in less than perfect scenarios, um, which, you know, 30 percent, 20 percent off the top instead of, you know, needing that perfect card. So Mm
0: -hmm.
1: basically there's there's a reason why LSV is one of the better players in magic and, you know. He, he looks incredibly lucky sometimes but if if you look at the plays that he makes he's always working toward that end goal and he's always trying to set himself up to win and that's why when when he gets lucky he puts himself in a position or sorry he puts himself in a position to win when he gets lucky um and then when he gets unlucky you know he, he's he's in less of a bad spot so it's basically you know taking advantage where he can and mitigating where where he can't um take advantage of it i'm reminded of there's the the he was playing modern or something like that and he he had to he had to set up a play two or three turns earlier so that when if he drew gut shot off the top his opponent was at one and he would just win that's the best one that i remember i don't remember when it was it was in one of the most recent pro tours before his brief hiatus but um you could probably just search lsv gut shot on youtube and you could probably find it but i remember he had to set that play up or, or set that potential out up from like two or three turns earlier and you know if he doesn't do that and he draws, gut shot off the top. Like he doesn't win the game on the spot. So he's mm-hmm. always working toward maybe that that one out or that possibility of that one out. So observe the good players, and you will see, like, oh man, they always get so lucky. It's, they're good. That's they're fine. good.
0: That's the difference. the The last little class of variants I wanted to talk about is high variance and low variance cards. Mm. When you want to use them, when you want to avoid them, what can be good for you? So can you think of a good example of a high variance card and a good example of a low variance card? Uh,
1: spark of creativity is high variance.
0: Yes. Because
1: you don't know anything about the card, except the fact that you're going to look at a card off the top. So spark of spark of creativity, right? I said that right. Yes. yes. So spark of creativity is one red, just, just a single red sorcery speed, right? Target a creature, exile the top card of your library. If it's a spell, you can deal the converted mana cost in damage to that creature, or you can play that card whatever it is off the top. If you play it, you don't get to ping the creature or deal damage to the creature. So it's it's high variance because obviously, unless you know what your top card is, um, you're you're at a complete loss for how much damage you're going to do. So what do you target? Do you target their 6-6 and hope to draw your bomb off the top? Do you target their 1-1 so that you can just kill their 1-1 guaranteed if you hit something that's not a land? Well, you're going to hit a land 40% of the time. It's just, it's all over the map. Low variance is a card, like a freaking three, three for three. You always get a three, three for three, a hundred percent of the time.
0: Period. <laughs> well said. That's what they do. Low variance cards are cards that don't leave anything to chance. Whereas high variance cards are ones that either you don't know what the card's going to do when you cast it or are only good in specific scenarios. Naturalize is another example, this format excluded, of a card that's a little bit high variance to main deck. Now in, in Kaladesh block, we're probably always running an effect like that because there's so many targets, but you don't know if you're going to have one. Uh, Negate's in a similar scenario. You don't know if you're always going to have a target for that when you're playing limited. Whereas in Kaladesh, I'm usually happy to, ma- to main deck one because of vehicles. There's been other really good examples of high variance cards, Um Toolcraft Exemplar, uh, or is is one where like if if the stars align, that card is going to look like an all star. I'm reminded of Blood Mist from Eldritch Moon, where mm-hmm. I actually did build a deck around that one time in the entirety of that format, and it was fantastic. But generally speaking, I was passing the card and not interested in playing it. So i i i want to bring those up to get people to kind of recognize what a card with high variance is and what a card with low variance is and then kind of maybe talk about some scenarios where you because the default is I'm, i only want to play the low variance cards if i think i'm a good player i'd like to minimize the impact of variance on the game so that i can play better than my opponent and beat them right like that's the typical thinking mm-hmm. so when do i need a high variance card why would i ever want to play one of those
1: you need a high variance card when that's kind of your only way to win you need you need to swing- and hit a home run instead of playing small ball to use a baseball analogy and hit doubles or singles and doubles um so if if your only out is spark of creativity off the top let's just say it's in your deck because somebody stuffed it in there um and the only way you win with spark of creativity is if you kill your opponent 6-6 and you know it doesn't if if you if you kill their 6-6 you win the game if you don't kill their 6-6 you lose the game let's just say that that's your only out it may be like two percent to hit you have to both hit spark and then hit a six drop off the top of your deck but if that card's in your deck and that's your only out you have to take that chance right mm-hmm. it's either 100 percent to lose or 98 percent to lose well i take 98 percent to lose over 100 to lose every single time that's that's those high variants. And, and that can come into play in deck building like you said so if you're you know if you're building a, a white red aggro deck and your toolcraft Exemplar is in there you know, the stars have to align for it to be amazing. You have to play it on turn one. You have to have an artifact on turn two and then probably additional artifacts on turn three and turn four so that it beats face for 12 damage. And then your opponent wastes the removal spell on it. A lot of stuff has to go right there. But if that's the style of your deck, that's the home run that you need to hit to win. Mm hmm. Or, or you just win the game outright with that, but then you have another a bunch of other consistent cards in there that win you the game, even if you don't draw a Toolcraft Exemplar off the top, then that's kind of a risk you're willing to take. So basically you want to say, is the upside the, enough better than the downside that, that I'm willing to take that risk? And the answer is no with Spark of Creativity for me. I'll almost never put it in my deck. But if it's in my deck, you know, and that's the out that I have to play to, then I'm going to play to it if I have no other chance to win the game. Toolcraft Exemplar might make it into my deck if my deck is super aggressive and consistent otherwise, and I can just get a free win every single time I play this on turn one, you know, then I'll stuff it in there. But if it's anything less than that, I'd rather just play a more consistent card that's going to give me a better average win rate. So Mm -hmm. you kind of average your highs and your lows and you figure out where those meet. And that's why modal spells are so good because, you you know, you you get to choose the effect on the modal Options, let's say destructive tampering, right? Three mana, destroy an artifact in red is actually pretty good, even though it's sorcery speed um, versus the falter effect. So opponents' creatures can't block usually, uh, unless they have flying. You know, you can get those effects better, or like for cheaper, or better effects on similar cards in other formats. Um, so, so these two options are powered down, or the card is maybe a little overpriced, but giving you the flexibility means that if one mode sucks the other mode might make up for it. So you kind of average those out and, and you end up with a pretty decent card because worst case scenario is really not that bad. And best case scenario is, is pretty, pretty high. Good. So the, we we call that high ceiling, low floor, meaning that, that the sky is the limit. And even if you miss... It's pretty good. You're gonna hit an artifact most of the time with that card. So, you know, those those kind of consistent cards where 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 the average consistency, like like the upside and the downside, are are either really close together and and pretty reasonable. You know, you're getting you're improving your win rate by a reasonable amount by putting this card in your deck. Um, but sometimes you just need to hit that home run because you have no other way to win the game. You know, you forgot to draft a win con, so oops, I I guess I better put you know toolcraft exemplar in my deck because I'll get a free win one set of every 20 or something like that.
0: I I would also want to tie it together too as when you would want to play high variance cards. I said that I usually want to play low variance cards because I think I'm a better player and I've drafted a better deck. Every once in a while I bump into somebody who's better than me or they have a better deck. All of a sudden I get quite interested in those higher variance cards. Um, the, the Blood Mist example was actually one of those. It was a sealed uh, PPTQ when Eldritch Moon was out. And I had a pretty good deck. My opponents was way better and they beat the heck out of me with it. So it's was like, you know what? We need to side into the air quotes bad aggro deck playing blood mist. That's the chance I have to beat them is that I maximize the potential of when I draw this card, it's going to be good on a board state. And I can kill them before they can overwhelm me with all their clues and soldier tokens and all this shenanigans and it, and it worked. So like if you think you're a better player, then you'll want to gravitate towards those low variance cards, but look in your sideboard for the high variance ones. That's where I'm going to start bringing them in. If my opponent's deck is better and I feel like I need to get a little bit lucky, that's when I'm willing to play some cards like that. And in order to try to maximize variance to my side, variance, I, I don't think is good or bad. It's just a thing that exists and maximizing it or minimizing it is up to you. It's almost a tool that you can
1: use. You can tweak knobs on your deck, and you can and you can flip switches and, and t- tweak the dials, and you can find a level of variance that you're happy with. Mm-hmm. Just recognize that there's always some amount of variance that you're never going, you're not going to be able to get rid of. So, um, you know, take responsibility for it, and just kind of like I, like we said before, accept the fact that it's there, um, and try to control it where you can. Uh, I think it's the best way to approach it. Um, further to your example, giant spectacle, I think is a really good example of it in this format where if, if your if your opponent's got a much better deck and you're trying to get out underneath them, slap a giant spectacle down on, on your first creature that goes down. And if the stars align, you'll deal them 20 damage before they even knew it hit them. So sometimes you got to swing for those home runs and that is a perfectly acceptable way. You just kind of have to accept the fact that if your
0: opponent has a removal spell on turn three, that's it. Siege modification.
1: Oh, that's another good
0: one. Kind of the same card. Like I did get to live the dream of putting it on the four, four hex proof dude in blue. And that is as good as you think it is. Um, but I've certainly played that on renegade freighters and sometimes they didn't have a removal spell and they died. Sometimes they had one and I got two for one and it sucked. But like, that's an example of a high variance card too, in this format. Calculated risk Mm -hmm. is a term that I like to use for that. So, Willing be
1: willing to accept that risk.
0: Yeah, accept the risk that you cannot change, change the risk that you can and try to understand the difference. And don't tilt. Yeah, tilting's bad. Or mm-hmm. if you tilt, tilt for 30 seconds and then move on with your life. It's so much easier. I, I got in the habit of like when I make a mistake saying, Okay, we're playing on challenge mode now, I just upped the difficulty. <laughs> I like that. Frame it in a positive way, right?
1: And variance is not a is not a four letter word. Variance is is positive or neutral at the very least, and bad luck luck is uh, has a negative connotation. I think if you take that approach, I think you'll just improve your mentality when it comes to this. And um, can we actually can we also say don't tell bad beat stories?
0: Yeah, let's just go ahead and put that out there. Nobody cares okay. when you go Nobody tell your cares. friends that, that that there's either two two things that are happening. One is they just don't care. They do not care about how you lost that game or two. They're glad that that happened to you and not them. So let the bad beats go, go ask them questions on turn three. This was the board state. I had these cards in hand. My opponent has two cards in hand. What play would you have made? Now, all of a sudden we can have a conversation that's fantastic and we can learn, but don't come tell me about how they top decked like a God. I, I don't, I don't care. Unless the bad beat story is hilarious. Uh,
1: do you know, you can you can probably always go back and find a mistake that you made i would be much more interested in hearing about the mistake that you made and talking about that as opposed to how your opponent got lucky because yeah. I hate to break it to you like i've i've heard tons of stories where yeah your opponent mulliganed to five and they still won it happens variance dictates or mathematics dictates that it's going to happen one time out of a thousand times that they mulligan to five or one time out of a hundred times that they mulligan to five, that they're still going to come back and they're going to crush you. I don't care. But if you tell me about the time when, uh, you know, you, you, you made a mistake and you recovered from it. Those are so much more interesting than your opponent getting lucky. or you getting lucky? And also or you made a mistake
0: and you didn't like, that's more interesting.
1: Yeah, it's a learning opportunity. And if you learn something and you can share that with me and then I learn something, then we both learned something, you know, that's net positive telling a bad beat story. Unless you, unless you find somebody that really likes your bad beat stories, it's not a net positive experience. You're just wasting energy. So, um, but for anybody that's interested, I will tell you my best bad beat story and it's, it involves poker and a pot that I actually won, but it's still my best bad beat story. And the only reason I tell it is because it's hilarious. Um, and it's, it's not me getting unlucky. It's not like, you know, me making a bad, a, a mistake because I actually did win the hand. It's just it's just a hilarious story about how my opponent didn't understand how the game worked, and and I did not win as much as I should have because of it. Tell me a bad beat story like that. Don't tell me about the bad the bad beat where your opponent was five percent to win the game and they won.
0: Yeah, I, I I'll take us home with this because this this is stuck in my head because it almost never happens. It was at GPDC last year. It was a team event. I was playing with uh, Martin Brunet and Jack Wang. I'm playing against my opponent. I'm the middle seat. I had to mulligan to 3 on the draw. Okay? And my opponent his his eyes just kind of glaze over like I've got this. And I proceeded to curve out while they hit two land drops and then started discarding the hand size. And Ooh. I I knew I had them as soon as they discarded the first card because they they started their face started turning red. It's like there is no way they're going to win this game. They're just not. This is game one out of the the match. And after I beat them there, their face stayed red the entire time. They played like garbage. And I was able to run them over in the next game. I'm like, if they had just held that in check and been like, yeah, I got incredibly unlucky to lose that, but let's play well. I can beat this guy. I think, I think they would have had a chance. Ooh. Ooh.
1: See, so those that, are kinds of stories that I like.
0: Yeah. Those are good beats. <laughs> those
1: are good beats. Tell all the good beats. Just don't tell the bad beats. All right. I think that was a good way to take us home here. So I think that's going to wrap it up for this episode. Boy, we talked for an hour on that.
0: Well, we had a variable amount of time to talk. We did. (laughs) Variance.
1: Yeah, I I got you. Okay. Just making sure. I think, I think we're going to close it out there. So uh, I got incredibly unlucky to have to deal with you for an hour, but I did enjoy my time. So (laughs) I think it was net positive. uh, I would say, but uh, so thanks for listening. And um, we're going to close it out with basically just where can you find us? Uh, Travis, where can they find you online?
0: You can find all of my content right here on manadeprived.com going forward. And if you want to come check out the stream, I'd encourage you to do so. It's at twitch.tv slash And I am also a twit, meaning I tweet sometimes. You can find me on Twitter at Simulan. And Dave, yes. not that anyone would want to find you, but if they did, where could they? all
1: two of my stream viewers can come and find me on, uh, twitch.tv slash d civilian. That's D S A V I L L I A N. I'm under Twitter on the same, although I generally tweet about stupid things. Um, don't we all, and don't we, we kind of, that's what Twitter is a cesspool. Um, and then, <laughs> and then you can also find me, I'm going to be doing, uh, you know, once every 10 days, probably draft videos on mana deprived. It'll be variable for the next little while until I get a, a routine down, but, I look forward to producing uh, subpar mediocre content uh, with (laughs) no bad beat stories. (laughs) There you go. All right. Uh, So once again, thanks for listening, and we will catch you next time. Adios.